What's good? Thank you for joining me. I'm Johan Francis, CSCS, and welcome to my show, Ego Killer. Right here on this show, we talk about the moves you need to make inside the gym to help you kill that ego and make moves outside in life and move better while you're at it. So much of what we do inside the gym predicates what we do outside in a world that's full of entropy. Entropy, disorder, right? A low-level form of chaos where anything can go right and anything can go wrong. We want to be prepared. We want to be prepared to, to accept success when we've earned it and done the work. And we also want to be ready when we have to change direction in the face of something bad happening. Emergencies. I think, I'm a firm believer, and I'll attest that all of those foundational behavior patterns are made when we work ourselves inside the gym, physically ironcladding our body. When we do that too, we often get to the point and the realization, the thesis, right? That we are the purveyors of our own troubles a lot of the time. And because we're the purveyors and curators of our own kind of troubles, of our own smoke, we also know how to solve our own smoke, don't we? We know how to get out of our own way if we just give ourselves the time to conquer the ego. Sometimes it's true that an entropic world gives us or heaps trouble on us in the form of emergencies, could be financial constraints and distresses, right? Could be mal, ill health. Sometimes that stuff just happens. But the way we respond, and in fact, if those problems aggrandize, has everything to do with our outlook. And that outlook has everything to do with our ego, I've said it before, but I want to reiterate that that ego is the thing that is only tasked with keeping us safe. And because we're only tasked with being safe, the ego oftentimes makes it impossible for us to grow and to move up out of it. Now, there's good aspects of the ego. Building a healthy ego after going through the process. That's where we can tell other people like, yo, here's how you get by. Here's how you get through Here's how you use your self-esteem as a plus. Building an aplomb, that's a form of a good ego. So ego isn't always bad. Inside the gym is where we kind of ironclad our bodies and teach ourselves what the difference is. It's gym therapy, my friends. Part of doing the thing that we do inside the gym is actually where the ego is either leaning on us too much or we leaning on our ego too much. Part of being physical and staying active is eating. If you don't know, let me present that I studied sports nutrition. And a lot of sports nutrition has to do with the bleeding edge and what athletes do for their nutrition. But the truth is, if you're just really, really active, you're eating. It's part of the necessities of life. And so if you're active and you're eating, well, that's sports nutrition too. So the The gym, the moves you make inside the gym, living outside in life, well, there's a bridge between. It's called eating, and it's what you might be doing right now. It's what you're going to be doing later if you're working out right now. And so choosing the right foods, that's super-duper important. It's part and parcel of being active, and there is no two ways about it. You just have to know what you're going to eat and how you're going to do it. And that's why sometimes when I see that you guys are a little bit of 
little famished <laughs> during our workouts, I don't want to wonder why. When I see that you're struggling eight minutes into the workout and you're sweating bullets right away, well, alarm bells go off and your coach has to ask to further investigate and ask a couple questions. What I often find is that you've been engaging in that fast. Have you tried fasted cardio? Have you tried any type of fast? Intermittent fasting? Full day fasting? What is your relationship to the fast? That's your relationship to sports nutrition. And so I wanted to spend this time giving you something that you could use tomorrow. Whether or not you are actively fasting or maybe that you've considered it. I would like maybe if you know someone that's doing it, this is for you. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to explain the ins and outs of fasting the right way. Or as I like to call it, recreational starvation. We got to do it the right way. That recreational starvation will mess you up if you do it the wrong way. That's for sure. Because that recreational starvation starts to look a little bit like a diet if you do it wrong. And those don't work. Those work 100% never. Right? And so if we do our recreational starvation on occasion, if we do it the right way, which is we're going to talk about doing a 16-8 or a deep alternating day fast, amongst other things, look, if you do it that way, you might have some success. Okay? So that's what we're going to get into today. It's important to understand, though, what fasting is, right, and what it is to be fed and happy. So we can have like a quick little review of what starvation is. In a first world country, starvation, not really a thing. Starvation exists. It exists in the temporary. But inside of American culture, if you're close to a semi in like a normal sized city, you're not far away from food. So many people, at least in my experience living here in California, which is the largest state in the union, right? You'll see the, the poor souls on the side or underneath the freeway or if they're out there begging transients and homeless people, they're asking for money. What you'll oftentimes see is people offer them food. There have been times where I will uh, walk out to where past the dumpsters and where I live and there will be boxes of canned goods so that transients and hobo and don't know if that's an offensive term. We'll pick up the food. The truth is, real starvation, which lasts more than two days, is not a massive, massive problem anymore in this day and age. Not under the imprimatur of having genetically modified foods, more stable, longer shelf life, in additives, the propagation and dependency on organic foods which means that non-organic or inorganic foods become cheaper because organic foods has been a thing natural locally sourced foods has become a thing in the last well it's been a thing for a very long time but it's become very popular and in vogue in the last 10-15 years so that means that inorganic food which consider the word organic versus inorganic is kind of just a buzzword or a label that means that the regular type food is a lot cheaper. And so starvation has become less and less of a pernicious factor pound for pound. All right. That being said, that out of the way, we're going to talk about starvation versus B12 
being fed. All right. So let's say you didn't eat for three hours. And we already talked about what happens, what goes through your mind when hunger starts to set in. Starts making you feel and act a little funky, doesn't it? Because that hunger will get to you and make you change your behavior patterns in order to get something sugary in your face. We talked about it on the hunger episode. But when we're in the fed state, it's three hours after our last meal. All right. We're still in the fed state. So what's going on inside your body? Well, what's going down is this. There's enough glucose inside your body. Insulin starts to be secreted because we want to get those uh, glucose molecules, the blood sugar. We want to send them somewhere, either to be metabolized, to stabilize the blood sugar so they're going to stay there, or to be loaded up, packaged with other chains of hydrocarbons and stored as what you would call fat. All right? So that's what's going down. Lipolysis, where fatty acids start to be cut away from stored fat in your body. So like that belly fat, that underarm fat, all that starts to be stripped away and sent to be moved in the form of cholesterol or free fatty acid or trans fat, or excuse me, uh, medium chain triglycerides of the like. All of those transport processes that get floated around, that would be liberated fatty acids or free fatty acid. That's low. So glucose is high, blood sugar. Uh, fat free fatty acids are low and you're not shredding stored body fat this is three hours after you had your last bite to eat all right energy from glycolysis and pyruvate oxidation is normalized and making new glycogen well that happens if you have not totally broken down your glycogen but otherwise does not happen all right anything else you eat at this point starts to turn into fat so you eat three hours later you eat again and then you decide less than three hours to eat again, you're risking excessive caloric intake. But by and large, that's what you call the fed state, right? That's that leptin floating around, making you feel good. You can unbuckle real quick. You could let it hang out. You're fed, fed and happy. Well, let's go for 18 hours. What happens 18 hours after you ate your last meal? Well, here's actually the stage where if you're doing the 16, 8, 16 hour 18-hour fast that I'll prescribe later or describe anyway. In this 18-hour range, this is actually the place where you want to be, and here's why. A lot of good things, positive things metabolically happen, and this is going to lead back to what I'm saying later, the central thesis being that intermittent fasting, when it's done the right way, the recreational starvation, when it's done the right way, is actually beneficial for you. All right? You'll never hear me big up any other type of diet on the planet it will never happen it will never happen right because i think most of them are designed for you not to succeed however if you brought this recreational starvation to me and said i'm going to do it i would say you're on to something i'm not sure who the first person ever was i think maybe it was a paleo code acolyte or maybe it was someone who was really heavy off into the keto game, right? Maybe listening to that Joe Rogan. I don't know. They, they decided like, yo, intermittent fasting done in a certain type of pattern actually helps you lose weight and burn more fat. Let's all give it a shot. I'm not sure who the first one was to do that. But whoever it was, well, they started kind of a trend. And now, now I'm going to help you guys do this recreational starvation thing <laughs> safely. And in more kind of a way where we're energizing ourselves. That I say all that to say this. 
This is a really positive way to jumpstart your metabolism, and it's a tool. So going back to it, 18 hours in, if you were going to do this recreational starvation type thing, 18 hours, that's your money shot. That's where you want to be at. Your insulin, your insulin is down. So insulin is what's going to swoop up all of that blood sugar, right, and uh, take it. So, like, let's say you're going to the club. You got a car. You're going to go swoop up your friends. The homies are going to go with you to the club, all right? Your insulin, your friends are blood sugar. The highway is the bloodstream. The club, in this particular loosely borderline poor analogy, the club is your fat cells. My gas is low if I'm insulin. And I'm in this state, in the 18-hour state. So less blood sugar is going to the club. <laughs> I'm going to drop the analogy as I say, less blood sugar is going to be stored as fat. New glucose. New glucose is being made, all right? Excuse me. New glucose is being broken down. The glucose inside of your liver is broken down more to produce more blood sugar. That is key. Your glu your not your glucose, I'm sorry, your glycogen. Okay, this is key. Your glycogen is being broken down into smaller pieces of glycogen which are called glucose for your blood sugar. 18 hours in, recreational starvation, all right? The rate of glucose is still greater than the creation of new glucose. Also important. And lastly, you start to, after 18 hours, your body starts to cleave off fat for metabolism. So that's that body fat that we were talking about earlier. It starts to actually be shed and liberated, turned into free fatty acid. That right there, that free fatty acid, that's what starts to get burned for energy. And by the way, more than twice the amount of energy comes from a free fatty acid than from regular carbohydrates, glucose, and the like. Glucose is a carbohydrate. That's 18 hours. What happens if you're like, nah, I need a deeper, painful, more, I guess, I need a good story to tell about being borderline cripplingly hungry. I need to be curled up in a ball. I only want to drink water. I don't want to eat at all, pretty much, for two days, a day and a half to two days. I want to really get into a fast because while I haven't heard of a two-day fast, I have heard of people doing unbelievably low caloric intakes to the end where your body might replicate this, the fasted state. A day and a half, two days in, your insulin, right? Your insulin starts to decline and gluconeogenesis is the same. Gluconeogenesis where you create new glucose all right well guess what as you start to burn fatty acids which is a good thing and create ketones your body starts to use those ketones but not only does it use ketones for energy and ketones are just what happens when you break down fats right so instead of because you have no blood sugar what happens is your body starts to use ketones because there's no more blood sugar because your insulin is gone right you also stopped creating new blood sugar well, this way, your ketones start to be used as fuel. Well, what else goes down just naturally? You start to break down muscle protein. Why? Because you need specific amino acids, right? You need specific amino acids. You need ketogenic amino acids, 
All right. There's a few of them that are ketogenic. You have 20 amino acids. Some of them are ketogenic. All right. This is where the keto diet comes from. You need to get ketogenic amino acids from the muscle protein. Muscle protein. You need ketogenic amino acids. I'll say it again. <laughs> In order to create more blood sugar because your blood sugar is shot. It's low. It's gone. So you're burning ketones and muscle to supply amino acids and fuel for your body and your brain. Glucagon, which is the opposite of insulin, goes up. You burn more fatty acids, but you're also excreting or about to excrete more urinary nitrogen. The takeaway is this. Remember I said earlier that your rate of glucose is greater than building new glucose and that you're you're using glycogen to build well guess what now you're using muscle to build the blood sugar rather than the glycogen no bueno listen instead of using your glycogen okay it's like you're trying to build a room and you wanted to build a really strong room out of brick and then you ran out of brick and you're like you know what let's just pack this dirt really tight It'll have the same effect. Well, you might be able to build a structure with that really packed dirt like you did with the brick, but it ain't brick. This is kind of what your body's going through. Your body's like, yo, I want to break down this glycogen because that's the quickest, easiest path to getting new glucose. And your body's like, let's break this down. Well, there's no more. There's no more. Your blood sugar's too low. Body's like, okay, we ain't eating. There ain't no more blood sugar, no more glycogen. We broke it down. What's next? Ah, muscle. And now you're starting to break down muscle protein. All bad. Listen, before we get into the three points, and we are going to do that right now, there is never a time where breaking down muscle is the goal of any type of activity, nutrition, or fitness. You guys ever heard of that fitness program? It's the one with the dude, right? And the whole point of it, like, it was, uh, the whole point was to break down muscle tissue? No. And we've heard and seen a lot of funky, new agey, <laughs> left field type workouts, haven't we? We've heard of a, every type of workout under the sun. We've seen the ones on Shark Tank that go nowhere eventually. We see the one where you use the funny jumping motion. Think of all the ones that you guys have seen over the years. How many of them advocating burning muscle tissue for any description? That's because that is the complete antithesis of anything active. Even if you're a marathon runner, your goal is not to burn muscle. And so all of these fasts that prescribe us going a full day without eating or even longer, God forbid, you're missing the point. Missing the point. A lot of times what you're going to hear from people who advocate for keto, going hardcore keto, getting that keto flu, sucking it up and dealing with it. The process of going through the type of diet has to do with your threshold for pain, son, and your threshold better be really, really high. That's the whole deal with a lot of these diets. If you ain't, if you're not willing to go through the pain, you're just not ready to get the results. Well, the facts are completely, 
completely running contrary to that. What folks who really advocate heavy, heavy, heavy for the keto diet, maybe a really, you know, uh, deep paleo diet is they'll say all you have to do is take endogenous ketones. So you'll actually supply your body with more ketones so you won't go through that muscle protein catabolism, right? Or instead of the endogenous ketones, you start uh, doubling down on those branch chain amino acids. So you start taking more amino acids, branch chain amino acids. That way your body isn't really looking to break down all of that muscle tissue. The thing is, it still will break down muscle tissue because the nature of metabolism is such that you need to replace blood sugar. And the only way that you're going to replace it is with specific concentrations of specific ketogenic amino acids. Your muscle tissue is still going to be broken down. Let's solve all this now that we know what it looks like to do too much with this recreational starvation. Let's solve it. I'm going to try to make a case for solving it and doing the fasting the right way by doing three things. Number one, you're going to pick between two types of fast. Number two, you're never going to skip your proteins. And number three, you're going to know when to eat before a workout. All right. All right. So generations of us have really got away from starvation. We generally think of starvation as a lifestyle problem and a deleterious one at that. Like no one wakes up in the morning and thinks, how am I going to end up with less food in my belly at the end of the day? Starvation has been a problem that we've had to solve low these many years, not been something that we want to strive for, which is why I've been cheekily calling it recreational starvation. Like how many of us are in this engaging to actually starve? Well, some of you sometimes, I see you, <laughs> maybe we're engaging in fasted cardio, which if done the wrong way, has you struggling 10 minutes in, we don't want that for you. We want you to feel better, stronger, and empowered, right? This fasting can actually be a tool to jumpstart your metabolism. This in coordination with lifting and doing the right type to lift microcycles and targeting certain muscles for days that you are fasting, not certain muscles, but certain energy systems for the days that you are fasting can actually help you with, with your metabolism because it'll help with your fatty acid metabolism which we talked about gives you more energy for the lift for the workout if you do this the right way it boosts your metabolism and we want to talk about how if we're struggling during workout you did it wrong all right okay what we need to understand is that there's two ways to do this thing so the first way is the 16-8 the 16-8 is you're either going to skip breakfast or dinner. If you skip breakfast, it's you finished eating later in the night. You went to bed. You woke up. And you're not going to eat till like 2 p.m. If you skip dinner, you're going to stop eating at around 3 p.m. and eat again at breakfast. Both of these include the very all-important eight hours of sleep. I know how many times you guys have been sleep-deprived in your life. Like seriously, to where you're getting five hours a night, something like that. What happens the next day or the next few days? You still sleep. <laughs> Your body is a remarkable, indelible, survival-oriented bag of flesh and organs. It will find sleep 
wherever it's hidden. And that means you might be driving on the freeway and blank out and forget what the last three minutes look like. I've had this happen to myself. I've had it happen with some of my clients and trainees. It is a very real thing. So the first order of business is to just give your body what it craves more than anything, which is sleep. That's going to govern all the metabolic processes in your body. If you ain't sleeping, your body's not going to focus on anything long enough. It's only going to focus on the next eating, not even meal, just the next eating thing where you're shoveling something in your... Get some sleep. Eight hours of sleep is important if you're going to do the recreational fast. And I want you to do it the right way. All right? The 16-8 means that by the time it's 2 o'clock and you're ready to eat your first meal, you're also going to fuel your first workout. All right? Now, if you went ahead and you skipped dinner, you're going to eat breakfast. If you're going to eat breakfast, you're going to pre-fuel your workout and try to work out in the morning. That's the 16-8, okay? The alternating day. So we're not just not going to eat one day and then eat the other, all right? Now, if you're wondering why, we already talked about it. We talked about what happens if you start to starve yourself for a full day. All those horrible things happen to ketones, the muscle breakdown. We don't want none of that. So what we're going to do is we're going to eat, but just not a lot. Now, over my years, I've noticed that if you start eating less than like 900 calories, or on average about 1,100, I noticed that you have serious deficiencies in your energy output for the day. It's hard to work out. Hell, it's hard to even move and think and be on your toes. So I don't ever recommend something far below 1,100 for calorie restriction, which is, by the way, a diet. All right? What I want is 40%, 50%, or 60%. So it's a really deep, kind of deep, or deep fast. And that's 40% of whatever calories you normally would take in for a day. So if you're taking in 2,000, you're going to cut out 40 and take in 1,200, for example. Okay? Listen, considering we're doing this during levels of activity, it's more than likely going to always be over 1100 in except in very rare cases all right so if you're under 150 ish pounds you have to make probably not going to do the 40 percent ever that's my professional opinion those are alternating days so you eat normal on one on day one then you do an alternating deep fast then on day two normal day three deep fast normal deep fast and you just alternate your days between regular and deep fasting and that's the way you do it there's so much more detail that i could do a part one two and three on this if you'd actually like to uh more information go onto the website my professional website so it's coach you're gonna find all these templates there if after you look at them templates and you still need more information, email me and then I will consider doing a part one, two, and three. And we'll talk about that right here. We could do that. We could do that on the Ego Killer Show. We can do that. Anything to help us get over the hump, I'm down to do. So go to the professional website and you can get all this on PDFs. So that's number one. You're going to pick between those two. And I'm just going to go through the last two rather quick. Never skip proteins. You're never, ever, ever in the same vein that you're never working out to lose muscle. 
that's not the name of the game. You're never ever going to work out to skip eating protein. There's almost no reason that I can think of off the top where you're like zero protein day. I can't really think of a reason. Anytime I talk about protein, by the way, I'm always remembering a college professor that I had. All right. This dude was in his late 60s. He had like a white, he had white hair. He, he was a white dude. He had white hair that was like um, stringy and it was, uh, you know, down the side of his head like bangs. He had like, he always wore a stubbly gray white mu- um, facial hair beard. And he was dressed like and acted like a straight up salty dog. T-shirts, flip-flops khaki shorts day in and day out and at least one phd i guess from his years of growing up on the coast of san diego he'd gotten into multiple multiple life-threatening injuries surfing he had one eye one was glass he had a limp for some reason maybe he was attacked by some predatory marine animal i'm not sure but he had multiple surfing accidents. He told us this. All right. This dude would pound the podium and he would say to us, you are your proteins. And all he meant was you are literally made up. Your teeth, your eyeballs, your skin, your organs are literally transcribed DNA that code for bundles of amino acids and polypeptides that fold into proteins. You are literally made up of proteins in the same way like a computer screen, which I'm just staring at, is made up mostly of plastic and glass. You are your proteins. Okay? So you could say that polymers make up the vast majority of a cell phone, for example. We are literally only made up of proteins. So why would you ever skip proteins? That's easy. I haven't found a reason to ever skip them. The last thing that I want you guys to get, so the first one was pick between those first two types. When we do this recreational starvation, pick between the first two types, 16, 8, or alternating days. After that, we learn never skip proteins. And lastly, you need to know that you have to fuel your workout. You have to fuel your workout. We're never going to do this recreational starvation and skip workouts, not workout, and not at very least fuel our workout with some type of carbohydrate and do it the right way on the website you'll find that i have a cheat code for this too which is to take shots of wheatgrass but that's for another day my friends all right i'm gonna wrap right there hopefully you understand that if you're gonna do the thing that belies decades of us running from poverty and starvation and get into this recreational starvation (laughs) right if you're gonna try intermittent fasting I want you guys to try it the right way because I want you guys strong and active inside the gym, not sluggish and slow, strong and active. Try it this way. Let me know what you think. Go to the website, eagokillershow.com, and let me know. If you like the episode, go to Apple Podcasts and rate me. Apple Podcasts, ratings, five stars, helps this show climb the rankings and get more exposure. If you feel like the vibes of this show are for you, maybe they're for a lot of other people, a lot of other people you know, and some strangers that you might want to expand this show to. So if you can rate and review this show, it actually helps facilitate that a lot more. 
I really, really appreciate that. Apple Podcasts for that. Email me for a free gift. I'll send it to you, I promise. Until the next one. Stay up. Stay up.